can have a seat. Uh, guys, worship team, thank you. Thank you for that. Um, church, thank you for worshiping with us. Um, uh, and not just being here, but, but, but engaging in the music with us. Hearing you sing. Um, you, typically, I sit over here because um, I'm one of those people, I love the front row because I've got long legs. So it's always nice to have that. And the other thing is it's right next to the air conditioner, which is nice when I stand up here. So that, that's really nice. Um, uh, but sitting up there, I get to hear your voices coming over and coming uh, up front, and it's, and it's very powerful. And so thank you for joining with us in worship. My name is Fred. I get to be the lead pastor here. Um, and so I'm glad you're here with us, whether you're here in person or joining us online or even listening later on during the week. I'm glad to have you. And, and there's one thing that I've been praying for us. Matt, Matt alluded to it a, a, a little bit. And, and what I've been praying for us today as we gather around and worship and, and God's word is that uh, there is something new about Jesus today for you, uh, that you leave this place with something new. Maybe, uh, maybe it's, it's welcoming Jesus into a new area of your life, maybe an area that, that, you know, maybe you thought God didn't care about this, but maybe to see that he does. Uh, maybe it's welcoming Jesus uh, into your life in a new way, maybe welcoming him into your life as Savior today. Uh, let him deal with the power and penalty of sin in your life. Uh, receive the, the gift of eternal life that's offered through Jesus Christ. Maybe that's it. Or maybe it's, it's welcoming Jesus uh, in, in a new way into a tired and old area of your life. Maybe an area uh, that you've given up on. Because here's what I know. I know that if we um, see Jesus as new today, we will all be better for it. And that's, that's what I hope. Now, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to describe some scenarios for you, all right? And, and, and what I want you to do is I want you to do kind of a, an emotional inventory. If you want to respond back, you can. You can give me the evangelical grunt, right? Which is in, in churches like ours, where if something's really good and powerful and you're part of it, you just go, mmm, mmm. Right, right. Your 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 church tradition uh, may you may just raise a hand and be like, "Yep, that's me." Right. You may even even say "Amen" out loud, or you may just stay really quiet and hope that no one notices. Whatever whatever the case may be, if you don't have church background, like just a head nod, whatever is is great. So here's the scenario. Remember, this is a safe place. We're about to get really real. All right. Is this you? You've prayed about something for a really long time. You've remained faithful, right? You, you, you haven't given up hope, um, but you're tired of trying to stay hopeful, and the answer still hasn't come. And you wonder, does God really hear my prayers? How about this one? You believe with all of your heart that God is your provider. Right? You give to the church. You give, you give money. You give, you give time. You give, you give service. You give, you give to the church. However, when the end of the month comes, you still don't have enough. And you wonder, is God finding it easier to take care of other people more so than he finds it taking care of you? Now, how about this? You read your Bible regularly, but it's confusing. Right? You pray, but you're not even sure if you're praying right. 
right? You want to do this Jesus thing right, and you keep wondering, are you doing something wrong? Kids, students, how about this? Because I hear this as I, as I talk to students. I hear this as I talk to kids. All the friends that you know from school, out of all of them, it seems like your family is the only family that follows Jesus, right? And that's a really difficult place to be. You don't like being the odd one out all the time, right? And you want to fit in with your friends, but here's where you are. You know what your friends are doing, and it makes you uncomfortable. But the struggle that you have is you're already uncomfortable around them anyway. Why not do what you know is wrong and what you know will make you uncomfortable just to be able to fit in? And you sit there every day and you don't know what to do. Or how about this one? As an adult and, and even as kids and students too, the people that you trust and love keep leaving you. Right? You, you stayed committed to the church, you, 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 but sometimes the loneliness gets so strong that you wonder if being connected to any church at all is worth it. How about this one? You're just struggling in life in general. You're not where you thought you would be. You wonder if showing up is enough. You wonder if you can really be clean. When, when I talk about Jesus dealing with the power and penalty of your sins, you wonder if that's really true and you're worn out trying to make it on your own and you wonder, can Jesus really heal me? Or maybe this is you. It's the last one. You're just tired. Right? You're just tired. You're tired of going through the motions. You've heard of Jesus promising an abundant life, promising life to the full, and you wonder if there's really any of that life available to you. Any of these sound familiar to you? Any of these echo with, with something that you're going, if so, then I believe God does have something new for you today in Jesus. And so turn with me to Mark chapter 6. And we're going to pick up where, where Matt left off last week, Mark chapter 6, verse 45 through 56. And y'all, I hope you're enjoying the, the book of Mark, uh, because Matt and I made a decision this week. Uh, our goal was to try and finish up Mark before Easter, so we could do Advent series and then come into the new year with a new series. We have changed our plan. And now we're carrying over Mark all the way through Easter. We're still going to take a break and do an Advent series, but we're going to carry it all the way through Easter because I don't want to give any spoilers, but I will let you know the end of this book coincides with Easter really nicely. <laughs> right? So there's that. And we found ourselves in a position where there were some sermons to be able to get through till Christmas. We were going to have to cover so much ground in one message. We were just like, is this worth it? And so we decided, let's just slow it down and, and take our time going through this. So, so sit back and enjoy. Uh, until Easter, we will be going through Mark. Now, last week, what Matt did is he uh, told us and taught us through the, a part of chapter 6 where he talked about a tale of two kings, right? A king that wants to take and our king Jesus that wants to give away. Well, today, here's what we're going to see. We're going to see the heart of our King Jesus. We're going to see the heart of our King who wants to give away. Let's look at verse 45. So it's this, uh, chapter 6, verse 45, immediately he made the disciples, he being Jesus, made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side to Bethsaida, 
Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. And after they had taken leave of him, he went up to the mountain to pray. Now, here's what's interesting. You, you look at this verse, and, and, and this phrase might jump out at you, that he made his disciples get into the boat and leave. Some translations say he forced his disciples to get into the boat until they leave. There's a part of me that I appreciate about the disciples. They know an event's not over until it's cleaned up, right? And so, so, so they want to stay there, and they want to work, and they want to finish and dismiss the people and all that. Jesus has just fed 5,000 people, but he tells them, no, get in the boat and go. And then he goes up to the mountain to do what? To pray, right? And so you look at this and you're like, what's going on? Like, did Jesus just need a little me time? You know, like, like, like what, what's happening here? And, and Jesus did need a little me time, but it's not because he just fed 5,000 people, right? Because if that was the case, he would have told his disciples, go rest as well. Right? He, there's something else going on uh, that allowed Jesus to tell his disciples to get into the boat and go. And we have to look at John chapter 6 to see what that is. Now John chapter 6, we'll put it up here on the, on the, on the screen. But this is what John chapter 6 says. It, says. it says, after the people saw the miraculous sign that Jesus did, so, so that was the feeding of the 5,000, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who has come into the world, right? Great. They see Jesus as close, right? Like he's the prophet. They don't see him as the Messiah, but they see him as a powerful, godly man that has come into the, into the world. And then it says, Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and to make him king by force, withdrew again to the mountain by himself. So here's what happened. After the feeding of the 5,000, the, the, the people, and we know that it was probably closer to 15,000 because they just counted the men, but there was this, this massive crowd of people that, that God supernaturally fed with very minimal food. And because of that, what happened is the crowd looked at Jesus and said, you are going to be our king. It was the right call, just the wrong time. And so Jesus said to his disciples, okay, y'all get into the boat and go because now's not my time to be made king. Now, going back to Matt's sermon last week, if our king was a king who liked to take, he would have jumped on that opportunity, right? He would have jumped on the opportunity to say, yep, I'm the king. But that wasn't. We have a king who gives away, and ultimately he knows he will give his life away. And so now's not the time. And so why doesn't Jesus go with them? Because it, he needed a time alone to pray. Because here's why. Do you remember uh, right before Jesus' ministry started, he had 40 days of fasting. And do you remember what happened during that 40 days of fasting? Right? Satan came and tempted him. And tempted him in three different areas. One of the things that Satan tempted him with, actually it was the last thing that Satan tempted him with, was that he would be given, that Satan would give Jesus all the kingdoms of the world. Right? And so there was this temptation put before Jesus where Satan tempted him to be a king at the wrong time. Right? And that's where this temptation come from. Then... When he was facing Satan, do you remember what his, his response was to Satan? He quoted scripture to Satan, right? Now the people want to do that. The people want to make him king at the wrong time. And so now his job isn't to stand up and quote scripture to them. Now his response is to get away alone and pray. 
right? And, and, and listen to me, because I think there's something here for us even in this. Right? We are all tempted in different ways, right? And, and, and those ways are very similar to the way that Satan tempted Jesus, right? right? That, that, that some of us, we want to be kings and queens of our kingdom, right? And we're more like the king that, that Matt showed us last week, the king that wants to take instead of the king that wants to give. And, and, and if this is your temptation, you know it's your temptation because you are tempted to grab power that doesn't belong to you. You're tempted to take credit for things that you didn't do. You're tempted to twist the truth to make yourself look better than the person that you're talking to. This is grabbing power that isn't yours. Now, some of us, Jesus also tempted, uh, Satan also tempted Jesus with food, right? Food. He hadn't eaten in 40 days. I imagine that was a strong temptation. Some of us are tempted with more fleshly things than power, right? Our temptation is to grab stuff right now and not wait for it, Right? And some of us, the third temptation, we want to be seen a different, we want to see, be seen a certain way, right? And so if that's you, the ends justify the means. doesn't matter how you get there, what happens is that you get there. You see, no matter what your temptation, Jesus shows you here a way to deal with it, and it's to get away, get alone with God, and pray. Listen to his voice. Process what's going on in your heart, in your soul, in your body. Process all of that. It, it, it's getting alone to think with God about what's going on, and that's what Jesus did. He needed his battery refueled, and he knew that was the way to do it, not to be made king. Like for me, um, I love going to the Biltmore and walking and hiking, and if you see me there, you'll usually see a white dog with me. Um, because that wears her out for the rest of the day, and so that's good on everyone. Um, but you might also see me walking with like my head down talking to myself, right? Because that is where me and God are working something out, right? And, and, and if you see me and I'm talking to myself, just, just, I'm not crazy, just let me alone, all right? Because, because that's what Jesus is doing here. That's what you can do when you are faced with temptation is you get alone and pray and work it out with God. Well, look at what happens to Jesus when he does go up there. In verse 47, it says this. It says, And when evening came, the boat was out on the sea, and he was alone on the land. So the disciples are out. Jesus is up on land. And he saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. Right Now, the last time the disciples were on the water in the sea with Jesus, do you remember what was happening? Storm blew up. Jesus was asleep. Jesus woke up, calmed the storm. Everybody was happy, right? Like, like now they get on the sea, and guess what's happening? The winds are against them, and they're having to work. So the sails are down. The, sails can't, the wind can't fill the sails. They're, they were told to go from one side of the sea to the other, and now they're having to row, and the waves are getting bigger. Lesson here, don't get in a boat with the disciples, Right? Because they're horrible at predicting the weather, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. But the difference, too, is that this time Jesus isn't with them. Last time he was there, he was asleep and he was in the boat, but he was with them. This time he is gone. He is up on the land. Now, it's believed that from where Jesus was, he could see 
them uh, struggling in the water, right? Like, like either that or it was supernatural power, whichever. But, but Jesus could see what was going on. He could see what, and what he saw troubled him. He saw them fighting against the wind. He saw them rowing hard and not getting anywhere. Instead of the winds feeling their sails to get across the sea, the wind was working against them. And y'all, Here's the deal. If you answered yes to any of those questions I started off with, any of the questions at the beginning, you know what the disciples feel like right now, don't you? Right? Because you know what it's like to do what Jesus has asked you to do. Jesus asked them to get in the boat and go. And they did. And you know what it's like to do what Jesus has asked you to do and feel like you're working against the wind. Right To feel like you are rowing and rowing and rowing and getting nowhere. They are working faithfully, and their work is exhausting. Right? Is this what you feel like from time to time in your relationship with Jesus? Is this what you feel like where, where you're doing the, the work of the faith, but the work is exhausting? Well, watch this. In verse 48. It says, in about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea, and he meant to pass them by. Right? So, so the boat, Jesus put them in the boat, sent them out around sundown, right? Because dinner was over, and, and they were dismissing the crowds. And, and, and they've been working hard since then. The fourth watch means it's somewhere between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. So these disciples have literally been rowing through the night, right? And they've been rowing all night long. And Mark says that Jesus came to them walking on the sea, right? Let me stop that, stop here for a minute and let me repeat that. Walking on the sea, not on a bridge, right? Not a jet ski, right? Walking on the sea. And then Mark makes this interesting comment, too, that Jesus meant to pass them by. Now, as I read this, I was like, what in the world? Why would Jesus see them working so hard and want to pass them by? Let me tell you what Mark is showing us here. This term, pass them by, if you were a Jewish person reading this, it would bring something to mind. Right? It'd bring one of two places to mind from the Old Testament, which are powerful, cool displays of the power of God. One of those is Moses, right? That Moses and God had this really tight relationship, and one day Moses asked God, Can I see you? Right? And God said, I'm going to cover your face, and you can see me after I walk by. So you can see uh, God, you can see my back, is what he said, because to look on me in my face would be too holy. You can't handle it like, like you can do the back. And so, so he puts Moses in, the, in this cleft of the rock and, and literally covers his face as he walks by. And after he's by, he, he lets Moses see, right? It's that term he passed by Moses. Elijah, this happened to as well. Elijah. Uh, got to experience what it's like to have God pass by because he too prayed, God, let me see you, let me know you. And in, in 1 Kings 19, he asked to see God. And so what God does is the first thing is, is that there is this powerful wind, right? And he shows Elijah he's not in the powerful wind. And then there's this earthquake. Do you remember this from the Old Testament? There's this earthquake. 
and God's not in the earthquake. Then there is like this fire, this consuming fire that comes through, and God's not in the fire because God wants to teach Elijah something about the heart and character of God because then, do you remember what happens next? Then it says there is a gentle whisper, a gentle whisper in Elijah's ear. And that's God passing by him. I mean, imagine being Elijah. And imagine seeing, seeing this powerful wind, right? Blowing stuff around. Imagine seeing an earthquake. Imagine seeing a fire. And all these displays of power are completely empty. But then, he's standing there. And in one ear, he just hears the voice of God as a whisper just passing by. And there was more power and more truth in that whisper than there was in all those displays of power. And that's what Mark is showing these disciples rowing against the wind that this is Jesus, right? That Jesus is God, right? That, that, that Jesus is not just like God, that he is God. And when Jesus passes them by, he's doing the same thing that God did to Moses, the same thing that God did to Elijah. You see, when we read the Bible and we see Jesus, we see God. And when you read about God in the Old Testament, you're reading about Jesus. Well, here's the deal with the disciples, though. The disciples still don't see Jesus as God. They're actually a whole lot more like the people uh, after being fed, right, that they want to make Jesus king and they want to make him king of Israel and Jesus keeps showing them that no actually he is better than a king he is God and so then he comes into the boat and 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 look at well he he walks by and look how the disciples react in verse 49 in verse 49 it says this uh, but when they saw him walking on the sea they thought it was a ghost and they cried out for they all saw him and were terrified I bet all right like, this is where Jesus is blowing their categories. Because, because, I don't know, how many of you have ever tried to walk on water? Right? It doesn't work. Uh, y'all tried. You know you tried. Right? Like, you've tried. You prayed. You took a step and you sank. Right? It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's because you're not Jesus. That's what that is. Right? But Jesus walked on water and it blew their categories and they thought, their only explanation was that it must be a ghost, and it scared them. Anybody think you've seen a ghost? It is scary, right? It's scary. Well, look at what Jesus does in the rest of verse 50. It says, but immediately he spoke to them and said, take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And so, so what he does is he steps in the boat and he calms them down, right? He says, take heart. He assures them. Now, some even think that the words that he uses, it is I, is another way that he is letting them know that he is God. Because it is very reminiscent of something that God said to Moses. Tell them I am. And when God referred to himself, he referred to himself as I am. And this is Jesus. He's saying, he's saying take heart, be encouraged, I am. And I'm here. And so it's this other hint that, that Jesus is God. But, and then when he gets in, the, the, the storm calms, right? And the disciples see this, and they see him walking on water. And I wonder if, if the scriptures from Job came to mind, because these guys knew their Bible. And, and in Job, it says that he, being God, trampled the waves of the sea. 
And so they look at him and, and, and the disciples, the, these waves that were wearing them out, these waves that were stressing them out, simply became stepping stones for Jesus. And he got in the boat and he told them to take heart, to be encouraged. That's what the Greek word means. It means to take courage, to be encouraged. Jesus lets them know that everything is okay. Because he's here. Right? And look at what else happens. Verse 51. And Jesus rebuked them for their lack of faith. No. That's not what it says. Right? Anybody expect to see that? Anybody expect to see Jesus get in the boat with them and be like, come on now, guys. We've been here before. Remember? We've been in a storm. I calmed it. What are you doing? No. Verse 51, he got in the boat with them and the wind ceased and they were utterly astounded for they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. This is Mark letting us know something. You see, Jesus didn't condemn them. They're tired and they're scared. Jesus meets them and gives them exactly what they need. He calms the storm. And Mark can reflect back on that. A lot of people believe that Mark was a disciple of Peter, that he was a, one of Peter's protégés, which I find interesting that, that if you look at the other Gospels, Peter is a pretty central part of this story where Peter steps out on the water and all this stuff, but Mark doesn't include it. I like to think that's because Peter has actually learned some humility. And when he taught them, when he taught Mark about what Jesus had did, had done, he kind of took himself out of the story because he realized he wasn't the central point of the story. Jesus is, right? But Jesus meets them and gives them exactly what they need. And y'all, here's, here's the part that amazes me. Like, like let's pay attention to this. Like, like, these disciples are blinded to the full reality of who Jesus is. And he has already shown them he is God. What Mark does is he said, hey, the fact that he fed 5,000 people shows you he's God. Right? Prophets don't do that. God does that. He showed them that he's God by not only calming the storm previously, but by walking on the waves this time. Right? He shows them that he's God by saying that he is the great I am. He shows them that he is God by calming the wind again. You know, you know something that's always amazed me? Anybody watch Superman ever? Like, anybody ever, like, it blows my mind that the difference between Clark Kent and Superman is a pair of glasses. Right? Like, Clark Kent works with the leading journalist in the world, at least according to the DC Universe, right? Like, like works with the top journalist in the world, and nobody looks at him and goes, you know, there is a striking similarity between Clark Kent and Superman. Like, that just blows my mind that nobody can do that. That Clark Kent with glasses, Superman without. When I take my glasses off, did anybody think, whoa, who's that new pastor that just stepped up? <laughs> right? No! Now, here's why I should say, like, like, part of me reads, you know, part of me, part of me reads the, the Gospels, and, and I'm continually dumbfounded by the disciples not seeing Jesus as Lord. 
right? That's not seeing Jesus as Lord, not seeing Jesus as God, as seeing him as not just a prophet, not just a teacher, not just a great leader, but seeing him as the Messiah. Sometimes I read the, 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 the Gospels and I'm just, I'm just blown away that the disciples don't get it. And I keep thinking, how can the disciples not see? Do y'all ever think this? Well, I think this is what Mark is doing. If you think that, then you are doing exactly what Mark wants you to do. Because the question that comes from that, the question that comes from Mark getting you right where he wants you to be, the fact that you can see all this and not know and not understand that, that, that the disciples don't see, like, like a person of wisdom would ask and, and a person seeking to know more about Jesus, a person maybe like you today seeking something new in Jesus would ask this, where am I like the disciples? Where am I missing Jesus? Where am I so busy doing the work of God, I forget about God. Right? Listen, if you answered yes to any of the questions at the beginning of the sermon, then you are in the boat working just like the disciples. You're doing what Jesus has asked you to do, and you are, you are faithfully pursuing him, and yet, maybe all you see is the work. You see, this is fertile ground for missing Jesus. It's fertile ground for missing Jesus when you see the work and not the worship. Right? Because the disciples, when Jesus came to them, they missed him. They thought he was a ghost because they had made this box for Jesus. And when he walked on the water, that was outside their box. And our Jesus is God, which means his job is to blow our categories because that's who he is. You see, the, the, the work of the faith is important, but it's, it's empty, right, if you miss the worship of Jesus in the work of the faith. It is, it is the earthquake, it is the strong wind, it is the consuming fire that is empty without the gentle whisper of God. And if this is you, let me tell you what you probably feel like. You feel separated from God. Maybe even his people. You feel distressed and you feel, you feel overwhelmed by the work that God is giving you to do. And y'all, I don't mean like launching a ministry work. I don't mean all that stuff. I mean like being a mom, being a dad work. I mean like faithfully pointing the people that are closest to you to Jesus. Like that kind of work. You grow discouraged by what you see around you. You find yourself drifting away from the faithful practices of God. And, and so what you do is you end up give, giving up on that work, not just some of the time, maybe most of the time. But search, church, can we see something today? Can we take heart like Jesus was doing with the disciples? Like if you feel distant, right? If you feel distant, you can be encouraged because Jesus sees you. Right, He was on top of that mountain, and he saw his disciples working hard. Right, Jesus saw them from the hill. He sees you too. He hasn't forgotten you. He knows you by name. He calls you by name. And in his gentle whisper, he calls you. The question is, will you hear him? Will you hear him new today? If you're distressed, right, there's a difference between stress and distress, right? Life has stress in it. Distress is when the, cell, the stress seems overwhelming and causes you to stop. 
And if this is you, be encouraged because guess what Jesus does? He gets in the boat with the disciples. Jesus not only sees you, he is with you, right? He doesn't leave them alone. He won't leave you alone. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter who you are. Jesus is with you. The question is, will you be with him? If you're discouraged, right? If that's you, you're discouraged by what you see around you, then take heart. Jesus never gives up. Right? I know sometimes you look at the news, you look at social media, you look at all the stuff, and you think the world is just incredibly awful. Jesus never gives up. You look at your own heart, your own soul, you see your own sin that you continue to struggle with. Jesus never gives up. You see, if you're tired and worn out, remember Jesus gets in the boat with them without condemnation, without shame. Trust me, y'all, he has, he has more patience than you have power. He has more forgiveness than you have sin. He never gives up. The question is, will you surrender to him in his ways? Will you surrender even to his answers for you? And if you have found yourself drifting, right? If you found yourself drifting from the faith, then be encouraged because Jesus still uses you. Look at these last few passages. Verse, uh, verse 53 says this, And when they had crossed over, so they finally made it, uh, they came to the land of Gennesaret and moored to the shore. By the way, I love that word moored. We don't use that enough. Uh, and moored to the shore. And when they got out of the boat, the people immediately recognized him and ran about the whole region and began to bring the sick people uh, on their beds and when, uh, wherever they heard he was. And wherever he came, in the villages, cities, countryside, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and implored him that they might touch even the fringe of his garment. And as many as touched were made well. So what happens, Jesus told the disciples to go to Bethsaida. That's in the north of the Sea of Galilee. Where they end up is Gennesaret, which is northwest Sea of Galilee. They ended up in a place that Jesus told them not to go. That's what drifting is, right? Jesus says, go here. You're doing the work. It's exhausting. You lose faith. Jesus shows up. You end up over here, right? They were... They weren't where they were supposed to be. And you know what? It doesn't matter. Jesus ministered there. Right? He didn't say, all right, get back in the boat. Let's go to where I told you to go. He gets off on the shore, and people bring the sick to him. They bring the sick to him and say, hey, this one lady was bleeding for years, and all she did is touch the fringe of his garments. Let's do that. And everybody who did by faith was healed. You see, Jesus is with them right where they are, and Jesus heals many there. And if you've drifted away, hear me. Jesus will meet you right where you are. You don't have to get your life straight first. You don't have to get to where he told you to be. All you've got to do is meet him right where you are. And listen, y'all, he will use you right where where you are the question is will you let jesus meet you right where you are today right will you let him be new to you today will you let him be real to you today 
Let him be the way that you can have this good and right and personal relationship with the God who loves you and the God who is that gentle whisper in your ear, the God who, who loves you. You see, church, the disciples didn't expect Jesus to walk on water because they were putting him in a box. And their box was, this is what a king would do, and a king doesn't walk on water. And so when Jesus did what they didn't expect, they missed him at first. They didn't recognize him. What if, what if we, as a church, agreed to let Jesus be Jesus in our lives? What if we, as a church, agreed to let Jesus be God of our lives? What if we, as a church, agreed to let Jesus be Lord of our lives? How does that sound? Are you willing to let Jesus blow your category? Are you willing to let him care about what's hard in your life? Are you willing to let, him, to let him sit with you in those things that you have prayed for and there's been no movement, no, 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 no seemingly movement to those? Will you let Jesus be there with you? Will we let Jesus be God? Okay, now, remember, I was a third grade teacher. There are times when I ask questions, the response is nice. All right, you don't have to raise your hand, but, but answer Right? As a church, will we let Jesus be God? Yes? Then say it with me. Jesus, you are God. This week, what would happen if instead of looking for what God's not doing in your life, you paid attention to what Jesus is doing in your life? When we do, the work that we're doing for him becomes worship. Let's pray. Jesus, I know you, and I know you are in the boat with us. I know what it's like to be on the waves, to be on the wind, and, and rowing as hard as I can and, and miss you, and miss what you're doing. But Jesus, would you be so kind as to open our eyes and to let us see you. Let us see the work you're doing, no matter how big, no matter how small. Let us see that and let us worship you in it. In Christ's name I pray, amen.